And we're off. Episode number five. Gregorian rant. Dun, dun, dun. I'd love to say, how was your Thanksgiving? But we're not actually there. We got so caught up in part one. Part one. (laughs) We're going straight to part two. Right. That's good. Unexpected. So So if you didn't listen to the last episode, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, We're talking a little bit about transgenderism. Nice neutral topic that no one has any opinions about. Um, So... I also feel like it covers that, like whether or not you could remove transgender and insert so many things, but it all is going back to this. Sorry, weird, noise. weird uh, noise going there. Uh, it's all going back to Nietzsche versus Aristotle, and is there a natural law versus um, like not? Yeah. yeah, I think I think there's that. So there's a catechism paragraph that says, so when Adam and Eve, people wonder all the time about Adam and Eve, and there's a lot of great questions about that. But there's a great catechism paragraph that says, so when Satan tempts Eve, Patrick Devaney, what does he say to Eve in the garden? Thou shalt not eat the apple. (laughs) (laughs) That was really bad. Dang it. (laughs) Like, you. Like that makes me feel like I'm not a very good RCA. Yeah, that's right. It was something in it was something in like Latin or Greek or some sort of translation. Hebrew. Yeah, that's right. Aramaic. Aramaic. The uh, Father Mike is like throwing up somewhere right now. That's right. (laughs) All things lead back to Father Mike. Father Mike, he's kind of become like a personality on this show. Oh yeah. Well, total side note. But as he should, after he made fun of us publicly for our gold mics. So I know apparently, I mean, I don't listen to Catholic stuff. You should know because that's a whole nother, we could do a whole episode on that. That's right. Um, yeah. Shots were fired. So now, now he's in the line. Shots have been fired. I do love yep. those guys. They're my brothers. Love them very much anyway. But the, so what the catechism says, so when, when Eve is tempted by the serpent in the garden, he says to her, um, uh, did God say that you are not allowed to eat of any tr- the fruit of any tree in the garden? So he exaggerates God's commandment. And then Eve comes back, and she's already, she misrepresents what God says. Eve responds, she says, no, 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 we can eat of any, uh, any tree in the garden, except from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, um, nor shall we touch it lest we die. And Eve already in that line, she exaggerates God's commandment in Genesis 2. Uh, but here's the c- critical thing I want to get at, is that uh, he's, lest we die. But she, the, the exaggeration that Eve adds to it is God never said you couldn't touch the tree. He just says you can't eat the fruit. But Eve's already buying into the lie that God's this t- tyrant and his laws are arbitrary. And that's so much of what this is about, right? Like we as humans, we tend to think that laws are arbitrary. And I think the so much of the modern world is predicated on the idea on this topic, as well as like on same-sex marriage and things like that. Uh, we we kind of think that that God's laws or the laws built into nature are they're not real; they're just kind of made up. It's it's kind of like a curfew. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have a curfew? I did midnight, but mm-hmm. my mom never actually enforced it. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that explains a few things. It does. Right? No, I never even had a curfew. Yeah. Like, I, we, my parents are pretty, like, laissez-faire, uh, which is crazy. 
So funny. Yes. But anyway, so what the catechism says is, so, so Satan then, <clears throat> he says to Eve, uh, she, you know, so Eve had said, we're not even allowed to touch the fruit or the tree of the f- fruit of knowledge and good and evil, lest we die. And God comes back and he said, or I'm sorry, God, gosh, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Satan comes back. The serpent says, you shall not die. He says, and for God knows that the day that you eat of the fruit, fruit of the tree, he says, and this is the critical line. He says, God knows that the day you eat of the fruit of the tree, you will be like God. And for St. Augustine, and Augustine's going to look at that, and he thinks whenever we uh, are tempted to sin, it's because we want to be like God, but Satan always twists it. And so I want to be like God because I want to be all-powerful. But in human beings, the way Satan's going to tempt us is say, hey, be powerful, but it, make it, don't, don't attach your power to your goodness, right? Um, be someone who is all-knowing, but don't, don't have your, your omniscience be connected to your love for the lowly. And so there's a twisting of, the, of a perfection in God. Augustine loves to talk about that. Um, but here's the point I'm driving at. This is like a long diatribe. In the catechism, the church says that uh, Adam and Eve, when they were tempted to eat of that the fruit of that tree, it wasn't because they wanted to know the difference between good and evil. Because if you don't know something's wrong, it can't be a sin. Right. Right? Like, you c- there's a friend of ours, I won't mention her name, but she always says, is drunkenness really a sin? And I'm like, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> But, but you can't. It can't be a sin if you don't know it's wrong. If you don't really know it's wrong. But anyway, so what the catechism says is Adam and Eve. Did, it wasn't that they wanted to know the difference between what was right and wrong. They wanted to determine what was right and what was wrong. And I love that paragraph because I think this the issue we're talking about right now with transgenderism. And again. You know, if, if you're listening and this is something you struggle with or you have a friend uh, or someone in your life who does, we love those people. They have a, a cross to bear. There's something difficult in their life they're dealing with and we love them. Um, that doesn't mean we tell them whatever they want to hear. Oftentimes loving someone entails walking with them, loving them, supporting them, and loving them enough to say, I know this would be the easier path, but it's probably not the best path. Um, but our society right now says, with Nietzsche, reality isn't a real thing. There is no such thing as reality. All that matters is, is your subjective kind of thing. And you can put that on the world. You define reality, right? Last episode, we talked about Justice Kennedy. At the heart of liberty is a person's right to define, not discover, but to define reality as they see fit, right? Imagine a law like that. I always tell people like, I would love to say that to a cop who pulls me over, right? And they're like, they're like, uh, excuse me, father, you were going, you know, whatever, 75 and a 55. And I'm like, don't impose your morality. On that. <laughs> you should try that. We should just drive around right now and do that. Yeah. That uh, go too well. But I, it's so interesting too, because when you say that, I would feel like if you're totally in the Nietzsche camp, your reality is always changing. So today you have the feeling you want to live out to be transgender. And then the next day is something else. And it's like, it's this continual evolving train. 
that there are no boundaries. Again, going back to there's no reality, but who knows where that leads up at? Like, where does it end? Yeah, and so that's a great point. And what you end up doing, right, is you, when you get rid of something by which you can measure if something's right or wrong, if it's all just how you feel, it's really hard to put the... You know the cat back. What do they say? The cat in the box. Is that what totally. I don't know. Like, I'm a priest. I'm just a nerd. I don't know. Whatever. Ask me about Galatians three. But you can't. It's hard to get things back in that box. You know. And so once you have this idea that basically whatever someone wants is their right. I have a right to do whatever I want because it makes me happy. That's a really bad philosophy. It's 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 just a really bad idea. And I do want to think. I think there's an important caveat here. Uh, that, that I really want to acknowledge is that um, it can be easier to caricature this, you know, and, and people sometimes will joke about like, and, and you and I, I'm sure I know we've both heard this. People will say, well, I identify, I, there, there's a car. I love this. There's a car on the street on Warren street right up here. And it's a, um, it's this giant truck and it has a bumper sticker and it says, I identify as a Prius. Right. <laughs> And I kind of laugh when I see it. And I do want to just, but the, but the point I want to make is that psychologists will tell you, you know, there is something real with a lot of these people. Gender dysphoria is the, the term that you, they use in um, psychology. And it's a real thing. And so I do think, you know, this, this isn't just people who are like, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be a tiger. Or next week I'm going to be, you know, a you know, Filipino woman from the 1700s. Like there is something psychologically happening, but the point is, is that reality matters and you might feel a certain way and that that might be very authentic. And I think we should usually take people and essentially basically always, we should take people at their word. Someone says, Hey, I feel like I'm a female trapped in a male body. We should take them at their word. We should be compassionate. Um, But the, the conversation shouldn't end there. And oftentimes it does. It, I don't know, as you, when you're saying that, I, I'm kind of relating back to going through the eating disorder. Right. And when we talk about this thing like Nietzsche, no natural law, it, and not to ever compare any of that kind of stuff to an eating disorder, but this constant when there is no right versus wrong boundary. And it, the eating, eating disorder was so, it's, just, it's an addiction, right? So it's, Sure. Super hard to control. You could say, well, it's wrong. You, you know, you really need people to walk with you through that. Right. And fortunately for me, I did have a best friend that said, dude, what is going on? Like called me on it and that woke me up to it. But I ultimately knew, and this is why I wonder when you say that with gender dysphoria and all that kind of stuff, like I would go through these episodes, these ups and downs, and it was always this major extreme of emotions mm-hmm. where it was like total, like overeating, binging, any of that kind of stuff to then all of a sudden the beat up because I knew that was wrong. And no, I didn't even know I had an eating disorder, but in my heart, I knew that was wrong. So when it comes to being transgender, same sex attraction, any of that kind of stuff, people could say like, well, this is what I feel like I really am. But, and there's no way to really know it, but I guess I would wonder if in their heart of heart, not what they're saying, not what they're walking on the street with their signs up saying, you know, pride this, blah, blah, blah. Is, is there a constant tug of war of like, now that we've opened Pandora's box and do this, I could just be whatever I want today. Right. It eliminates that aspect of like, maybe this is wrong. Maybe like I'm gonna explore it, but then every day there's this emotional roller coaster of up and down 
kind of beating yourself up. Like, I don't, you already don't want to feel that way or you do, but maybe there's something inside saying like, okay, I know this is Aristotle's onto something. There's something here yeah. and remove Christian or Catholic or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just naturally you're like, okay, it, something's a little off here. And I guess that's more of kind of a, just a statement than it is a question. Cause I don't know if we might can actually answer that, but it's well, just, think, it's interesting to think about. Yeah. And I think, I think you going through that period in your life with the eating disorder, I actually think it's a really, and if you're listening right now, like I've gotten beat up, uh, probably for saying stupid things or cause I do say stupid things and I will continue to do so. So please have mercy on me. Um, but an analogy, right? By definition means there's something similar and there's something different. Totally. And I think with your eating disorder, it's not the same thing as someone who's experiencing gender dysphoria, but it is analogous, right? There's, there's something similar, yep. there's something different, but there's something similar. Yep. And part of what is similar is that your internal, and you have to tell me cause this is not my home base, but internally, right? There's something, there's a perception I feel this way, but it doesn't line up with reality. Totally. Right. And, and so that's an important thing. And, and what's, I think what's happening oftentimes is, and this is really interesting is in medicine, what we do and in psychology, oftentimes I'm an expert in neither, but, um, we want to be careful with these analogies. These are delicate subjects, but someone who struggles, for instance, with anorexia, there's a perception that they're overweight. Yep. Right. And that for them is very real. Mm-hmm. It's a super real thing. That's right. And honestly, and if, and if you ever encounter someone who's struggling with that, I hope everyone is listening. I know you and I both, the first movement of our heart should be, oh my gosh, I love you. I just want to walk with you. And I want to help. I want to get you help with the psychologist, um, with the professional and just, but I just want to love you. I want to be in your life. And that, that's, I love, that's what we should be doing. But at the same time, right, <clears throat> there's an objective thing there. The, the subjective emotion is not everything. The subjective perception of the anorexic, we too love them. We know that if we want to love that person, we have to say, okay, I love you. And I know this is this perception that you have is very real for you. But we need to, to get you to see that that perception is somehow not lining up with what's real. And that's that's Aristotle. Right, right. Reality matters. Okay, so then something I feel like I always beat my head against the wall with, though, is, again, going back to, I guess we're going to try to bring this back to the faith aspect and being right. Christian and Catholic. Ultimately, you kind of get like this scarlet letter when you're a Catholic like on, I don't know if you know that reference, but I've got like six of them. Yeah, <laughs> is, yeah. is I've got, that's right. What are the what's the six letter of the app of A B C D E F? Yes, no, that doesn't One, sound two, too good. Three, four. <laughs> uh, it's is it's like okay, we can say like I love you. I'm gonna walk with you, brother. Blah blah blah. By the way, when we get to church, you can't receive communion. You know, right. like you're gonna then all of a sudden it's this scorecard again that goes back to it. So how do you? Um, you know, we've already touched on any of those things, but again, focusing on transgender, but going back to the Biden podcast or any of that kind of stuff of like, yeah. you should know, right? At least from the, again, it's not necessarily the right or the wrong, but it's from what the church is teaching. Right. There is now a right or wrong. 
Yeah. Right. So if you're breaking that, like how do you ultimately walk with somebody that may or may not be Catholic wants to be any of that kind of stuff or instantly they turn and point to you being like, Oh, you're Catholic. Look at you. You don't even accept me into your church. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's you and I both know there's so many points to this. It's like totally the, um, the first thing I, you know, the first thing I want to affirm with people is Catholics as a whole. Can I, I'm just going to say it. So this is not a bad word in my book, but my mother tells me it's a bad word. Catholics suck at this. Ooh. I know my, my mom. I, I used to seventh say, scarlet letter. I, this is a generational thing. I used to say that things suck in my homily. And I, my mom was like shuddering and like, I came to realize that's like a four letter word. I mean, it is a four letter word. <laughs> Wait, how do I count it? One, two, three, four. That's right. and, but for the last generation <laughs> suck is like, I mean, it's a bad word. And for, for our generation, this, it's not a bad word. I, I mean, at least for me. Am I wrong on this? I kind of judge it when you use yeah. it. Okay. Uh, good, good, good no, I... Uh, <laughs> if that's a bad letter, you know, if that's a bad word... Hey, I know. I'm a little on the other... A little further. I'm a little past that one. I know people come to Lourdes, they're like, ooh, Father Brian, a little, little racy today. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, okay, so when people come to... One of the things we want to say is that we suck at this. Catholics, we've got to get better at this. We we live in this little bubble. And we, Patrick and I and the rest of our staff, we have this joke that we're going to start a, a sitcom called The Parish. Because you would not believe the stuff that happens in a parish. It is hilarious. The drama. We always say, now that I've been biking with you, people, every person needs to, one, work in a restaurant. Yep. Two, ride a bike to know what it's like on the streets with cars. And three work in a parish. Yeah, number two is mostly you. That's right. But I do feel but, that way. I, I get so mad. You know, you got these trucks who like drive by, and they like come within like half an inch of you. And you're oh just yeah. Like, and until you're actually yeah. on that bike, and and it's the same. But yeah, we joke about the parish, and I'll, I'll just say that. I mean, I thought coming into the parish life from commercial real estate was going to be like the easiest transition of all time. And I don't know, you guys just do the rosary all day and yeah. pray and there's no drama. Or like Mary says, I always just, I sit in my office all day hoping someone calls. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I have yeah. found, I found the exact opposite and especially during COVID more drama than I could ever imagine for more for you than it is me. But yeah, it'd be some point a office replica called the parish. The parish. Yeah, You're our Michael well, Scott. Someday. That's right. I know. Everyone says I'm Michael Scott. I don't want to be Michael Scott. <laughs> I better be Jim or I'm out. <laughs> no, you're Dwight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what was the, I haven't seen that many episodes, but what does he say? Like, he's like assistant to the manager and he changes it to assistant manager. Uh, assistant to the regional manager. Yeah. And he goes assistant <laughs> regional manager. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So somebody coming to mass though. Uh, here's the thing. So Catholics, we need to do a better job of, welcoming people because the the way that this works catholics feel like good catholics when they stand up for the truth and that's good we have to do that we absolutely need to because we feel like in the last generation and which is largely true priests and catholics did not stand up for the teachings of the church and of jesus christ and so today we're reacting and i grew up in this world and i actually i think i grew up with like the best priest in colorado he was great but being a priest now, I know so many priests who would not talk about something difficult Jesus teaches. And that's a cop-out and that's cowardice. And we have to do that. Part of following Jesus 
is you can't always be popular. You have to you have to stand up for things that are right. But <clears throat> I think what 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 I want to say about this is that so many Catholics forget that that doesn't. There's a time and a place for that. There absolutely is, and it's hard to know sometimes. But usually, you don't start there, right? If you walk up to somebody on the street you've never met, and you're like, and I I don't like I have priest friends who do this in marriage prep, and they're like a couple comes into marriage prep. We know, we know we're not stupid. If you're in marriage prep, priests aren't stupid. I mean, I'm, I'm a little stupid, but, but like, I know you're probably living together when you fill out your paperwork and you put the same address down, you know, like couples are like, Ooh, we fooled father Brian. That's right. Like he doesn't know we're living together. I'm like, yes, I can read. I know you're living together. <laughs> um, but I just know that probably the best way to start a conversation with someone is not to start by being like, so it's nice to meet you. Let's talk about sex. Right. Right. And let's talk about what you're doing wrong. Goes back to episode two with, you know, the Pope reaching out to president elect and the bishops and like starting off on a good foot to eventually be able to explain the truth. Yeah. So there's a time and place that, okay. So if you're someone who's like, you feel like you're not welcome by the Catholic church, that's, I just want to say to you, we love you, and more importantly than us, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He gave. He left heaven for you. He entered into the, the depths of the depths because he loved you. Uh, and that's the most important thing you can hear. But the second part is this, is that, and this is like the Joe Bidens of the world, in my personal opinion. And actually, I think I'm stronger than that. It's not just my opinion. Like this, He's shown this pretty strongly. And... So if someone says the church is just judging me, here's the thing. My, my one liner on this is everyone is invited to be in communion with Christ, right? And at communion, I don't just mean the Eucharist. That's the highest form, right? Like, but, but just being close to Christ. Yep. Everyone is invited to follow him. Absolutely everyone. Not on your terms. Not on your terms. And that's, that's so much of the problem today is I, th- I think, and I think, and honestly, and I want to toss this back to you, but I do think as much as like, like evangelical Protestants love our Protestant brothers and sisters, they do a far better job of welcoming people than we do. Totally. I'm just going to say the word again. They suck at challenging people. <laughs> they stop and, and not, and you know, I don't want to paint too broad of a brush, but I think there is a truth to this. They're very good at telling people about the love of Christ and the mercy of God. But you don't get to follow Jesus on your terms. Right. Hey, hey, Jesus, I believe you are God. I believe you created the world. I just think you're wrong about four things. That's it. Right. If, if you think that, you know, you've misunderstood what the word God means because you're not using that word properly. It, it kind of reminds me of when you asked about curfew, thinking of what my, my mom used to say, you know, any rule or whatever she had well while you're under my house yeah. these are the rules yeah and it's kind of like if we're in the playing field and you can get mad at the church's teaching but that's that's the church like mm-hmm. so i i agree with you when you say too i, I feel like the Protestant will coming from that like it's great at just saying like we love you no matter what you've done welcome like yeah. we're here for you but there isn't ever a layer, which was kind of interesting for me when all of a sudden, when I was confirmed Catholic, it was thankfully you were the one that actually called me out on it where I was becoming like, I was going to confession 
And my, uh, my mother-in-law also called me out on this. She was like, ah, hey, let's not get too overboard on this. But I, maybe it's being an athlete in me, like seeing something that was so black and white uh-huh. where I would, br- I would print it out and I like carried my uh, examination of consciousness or whatever. And there was something I kind of loved about it because now all of a sudden it was like, oh, yep, failed there. Need to go to confession. Like, and right. it, you know, like it was kind of addicting. Cause coming from the opposite where it was like, dude, no matter what you did, like God's always going to forgive you. No big deal. Like there are no rules. You, right. you kind of know what they are. Like you're going to yeah. sit down and tell me you're, you have anxiety about something you did. We don't really have a rule for that 10 commandments, but otherwise you're forgiven. Right. You, you don't confess it. You don't, you know, yeah. any of that kind of stuff It's just between you and God and that relationship. But it does come down to like, now there's, um, kind of an ultimatum with God. Like you're kind of in this position of, yeah, I know I messed up, but I don't really agree with you on this, on this thing you say, or you use scripture to try to manipulate your thought, which has been so interesting working with you, like just your scripture knowledge is through the roof. So it's it's so interesting where things I'm used to hearing and being like, yeah, that's not actually what it means. You know, you can't read it on face value. Yeah. Scripture is so complex with these things, but I think, and I think for, for us as Catholics and and this is what I want to say, if you're struggling with, a lot of the hot button issues today, like one one of the, the the baseline problems that's behind the question behind the question, yep, is that <clears throat> we have we have made the modern world. Our assumptions are that if God loves me, He wants me to have a happy life here, and He so so therefore I need to have a spouse, I need to have kids, um, I need to like be be you know at least comfortable. Maybe I'm not going to be, you know you know, Jeff Bezos or something, but like that's, you know, and when someone tells me I'm not going to have those things, you know, then something's wrong. And this, this is our fault as Christians. I'm, we have failed the world in this. We need to do a better job of this. Is that, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer, do you know who he is? Uh, did he play for the Mets in like 84? The Mets, seriously. Oh, oh no, I guess <laughs> not. Okay. He did live in New York. <laughs> Close um, enough. Yeah. So Bonhoeffer, I know you're such a dork, you know who he is. Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor who was uh, martyred uh, by Hitler in World War II. He was involved. He was a brilliant young theologian. And uh, more. the most important thing about Dietrich Bonhoeffer is he was one of these people who wasn't just smart. He walked the walk. Like this guy, he was, he was serious about his Christian life. It was not a set of ideas. It was not a nice thought. He was serious and he left Germany during, to escape the Nazis. He was you know, preaching against them, went and taught in New York for a little bit. And then super dramatically, he left New York on a boat back for Germany because he felt like he had abandoned his flock on the last boat that ever left the U.S. before we entered World War II. And he was, um, he was martyred by the Nazis in a concentration camp. I think it was just like a day or two before the allies showed up. Oh. Brutal. But the reason I bring it up, he has this wonderful line. He says, he says, when, when the Lord calls a man, he calls him to come and die. Which sounds super appealing right now. <laughs> Count me in. Count me in. But what he means by that, so Jesus says seven times, seven times in the Gospels, Jesus says some variation of the one who seeks his own life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. And what I oftentimes want to say to these, to people who are feeling like they struggle with, you know, 
um, body image, uh, gender dysphoria, in a more extreme case, um, with same-sex attraction, whatever that might be, that's okay. Like, maybe you can't control that. Maybe that's a, that's a struggle you have. But it doesn't mean that you can do what you want to do. Being a Christian means that when Christ says to you, I love you, I am going to surrender my life for you. I will die on the cross for you. He doesn't say, now go take a seat, have a bonbon, I'll see you in heaven. And who would want that? A great life means struggle. And I have struggle in my life. I have my sins. I have things I would rather be doing than being a priest some days. But, but, I, but God calls me to greatness. And he calls me to say, Brian, and I know it's not the same thing, this is different, but Brian, die to yourself. And so people, if you're, if you come to a Catholic church, you don't feel welcome. God loves you. He will die for you. He did die for you. Uh, and he wants you to be a part of his family, but not on your own terms. And he wants you to be happy in this life, but not the way you think. No one is a real Christian who doesn't leave something behind to follow Christ. And people who are struggling with um, gender dysphoria, or who have same-sex attraction, they have something I have not experienced, and I can't imagine how difficult that must be. But you are loved, you belong in the church, and Christ will walk with you, you know. Uh, but it doesn't mean you can just do whatever you want to do. Mm. Yeah. It's so, I mean, yeah, it's, it sounds so easy, and when hearing you say that, it's like, yeah, that's that's what, that's what it is. And I always kind of feel like being a true Christian, like not only we may have never battled with any of those temptations or that's not our cross. Right. But instead of all of a sudden being like casting shame on that person, right. is it's now your turn to, to find what is your own cross yep. to find the sympathy in the other person. Because I think, the more Christian I get, the more I realize how everyone has some sort of cross they're carrying. Yep. And I've yeah, always kind of seen, that. like, even before I was a Christian, it was always like, well, let's see what skeletons you have in the closet. Right. You know, like, you you act all perfect, and you have A, B, C, and D, and this and that, and you can point at me for something I did. You see it a lot in the public, you know, the cancel culture. Right. Like, it's so easy to just cancel somebody when it's like, okay, give me two weeks. And I'll find something on you. Yeah. But I really tried. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. <laughs> but I think it's just, it's, I don't know. I, I think it means a lot hearing you say that and just thinking to myself like, man, I could do a much better job of finding, finding the commonality with somebody else that is struggling with anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. And, some, and, and a caveat I do want to say about this, you're just because you desire something, that's not, that doesn't make it a sin. So if you're struggling, if you're someone you're out there and you're like, <laughs> Like, I feel like I have some sort of gender dysphoria. I don't, I don't relate well to my, you know, to my gender. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be in communion with the church. Right. Same, same way with like, if you have same sex attraction, like we are not defined by our desires. I am not when people say, when I introduce myself, you know, they're like, Hey, father Brian, how are you? I'm like, I'm a, who are you? I'm, I'm not like, Hey, I'm a heterosexual male. <laughs> Like, and, and I don't mean to caricature that because that sounds like a caricature. I don't mean that, but you are not defined by your desires. All of us have desires. And what the church would say is some of our desires are disordered. Right. And, and that's why we have to fight against them. Like sometimes I just, when, when somebody bikes, when I'm, we're biking 
and someone comes too close to me, I want to flip them off, chase them down, and I want them to get beat up. Going, you know. um, we can say this just even from the aspect of our own battles of it too, like understanding the difference of just because you like think something or it's that, it's that making the decision to act on it. And yeah. I remember the first time you and I went to the gym together and we walked in. So like, let's now make it more personal for you and myself, but oh, great. Um, not so much for you, but for more for me, where it was and remove the piece of transgender or homosexual or any of that kind of stuff. But we're talking about those natural things. I always thought it was like an instant sin. We went to the gym, we walked in and of course, Within two seconds, we get in there and I notice right in front of the dumbbell rack is some, you know, a woman with sports bra, tight pant, like could not be dressed <laughs> more, more intense. And instantly like, yeah, whoa, I, wait, I never like, noticed those things that's ever. right. Uh, it was, it was strictly <laughs> just me, but kind of like not beating myself up for it. Yeah. Like, you know, like that, I, I didn't ask for any of that. Like, what, what was that? Yeah. You know, like, it's so tough to try to trying to navigate that, but it, it is just so interesting. I think, um, I don't know. It's helpful to understand. I would love to also dive in more and maybe this is next episode, yeah. but understanding when you are trying to fight those temptations and you want to wear a dress on the cover of Vogue or whatever it might right. be and you act on it, are we as humans naturally destined for hell and that kind of sin reality or is heaven actually achievable? And I think we kind of come across uh, recently. You and I have heard a lot of questions about that. Um, right. And especially when you're saying to someone like, dude, we're here to walk with you. The church loves you. We want to go through this. But there's also the, there's been a lot of other extremes lately yeah. that have been, well, you're, you're no matter what. Yeah. And it's just, it's so tragic. It's a good note to end on today. It's like, it, the, so much of the tragedy of this is that the human race is all broken. And you, like I say this, people don't believe me. You believe me. I know it's like, I'm a broken man. I am not like people think priests don't, you know, have sins and struggles. I absolutely do. And the good news of the gospel is not that, okay. Like Curtis Martin has a great line where he says, God loves us right where we're at, but way too much to leave us there. Mm. And I love that. I'm like, God, you know, so many people doubt, could God ever love me? And, and I think people in the kind of LGBTQ world, they, they see themselves at odds with the church, which is just tragic. Yeah, and, heartbreaking. And they, you know, they're called to repentance. Like sex is not everything. That's right. one thing I'm sure we'll talk about this on this podcast more. It's like one of the lies of the culture is sex is everything. You can't be happy without sex. And that's a lie. Yep. And we've got to repent of that sin but we, but Christians, we've got to get out there. And we've got to let people know, like, you can't follow Jesus on your own terms. He's Lord. You're not. That means that you have to follow him on his terms. But man, is he awesome. Man, does he love us. And, and in my own life, like, right. And I think both of us could just say the glory of Christ, his beauty, his truth, his goodness. I know you love those three. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but like he's, his glory is his humility and he's not embarrassed by me. He's not embarrassed to lower himself and humble himself to come into my life. And he knows my weak spots. He knows my sins and my ugliness. And he loves me anyways. And a lot of times it's hard for me to believe, but um, but redemption is in is in that place. So. Well, that's a natural segue to the next episode. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.
and uh, I don't know what to say, but we'll talk to you next time. We'll see you in, on episode six. And for sure, since we rolled right into this one, next one, we will have an email address. And uh, and, and if in doubt, just email us at Lords. Um, Father Brian's kind of in charge of the, which which account is it? It's admin or lo- no, Lords. Yeah, the, <clears throat> there's an admin at lordsdenver.org. Yeah, so email there. We will update you guys. Again, this will be posted moving forward on Fridays, uh, Spotify, Apple, and our website. So sign up for the newsletters, any of that stuff. Um, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, over and out, Smokey Smokey. <laughs> <laughs>